You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. Um, sorry that Spencer's not here today. Um, she goes, she works full time and has a baby, so you know her schedule's a little tight. But um, yeah. we hope to have her back when the baby's bigger, probably. <laughs> today we are joined by our new friend Laura Marsh. She is a conservation biologist, which sounds super fancy, and she's the founder of Nova conservation how are you laura oh good i'm good i'm tired uh this evening i have two kids as well and they are young i have a six-year-old and a two and a half year old who just got potty trained fingers crossed oh like, he's you get still, it he's still getting the hang of it but hopefully <laughs> hopefully we're like past the point of diapers and like destroying the environment through plastic diapers and stuff so yeah that's kind of the main goal there i know i've thought about Whenever I decide if I have children in diaper age to do the cloth diaper situation, but also at the same time, I'm like, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where Spencer is on this, but I tried cloth diapers for a while with my first. Um, it is a lot of work. Yeah. I, and there are some people, moms generally, who can do it and just do it just fine and have no issues with it and love it. And I wish I was one of those. I really wish I was, especially as a conservationist. Like I'm like, I want to protect our planet. I want to do its best, but man, I really have to put my kid in diapers. And I felt a lot of guilt for that. And that's something we can talk about because I guilt has been like my theme of my life. Um, so I'm just, I'm sick of the guilt amen aren't we all um yeah Mm -hmm. we should get into that uh but first why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your testimony oh gosh okay (laughs) yes um i i was raised roman catholic we went to church you know here and there every sunday for a while but later in my like high school after i was confirmed in the catholic church i stopped going to church but i was still i still felt good like i still felt that relationship with god and really wanted to have that and felt that and then when i came to college i was immediately absorbed into like this <laughs> uh campus ministry essentially oh god um, yeah so, <laughs> So I was, I was, uh, now I know the term love bombed, like, um, yeah, I was sucked in and they like, they gave me a safe place, a place to have lots of friends and, um, like an immediate friend group and just tons of fun, hangout time all the time. And I was like, this is great. And I became, let me try to mute my phone. That's okay. Um, People just yeah. always like to bug us when we are on podcasts. I get the mm. most text messages ever when I record. <laughs> I'm always like, remember to mute. Remember. Yeah, to yeah. So, so I went to this campus ministry and became a born again Christian there. Like that's what my testimony is, so to speak. Like I did feel a presence. I did feel that, but I also am very emotional and <laughs> tend to be emotionally manipulated. Oh, aren't we all? <laughs> <laughs> so having got one through that experience and been like, okay, was this what I wanted 
for my life or is this what someone else wanted for me and I'm just now kind of coming to terms with that so okay so that was in 2006 my freshman year of college um and then I was like all about the church I was like the churchiest church church girl Mm. (laughs) for Mm. all of college didn't party didn't got married at age 20 we're still married 20 oh yeah god bless you (laughs) yeah and i was so self-righteous like i didn't have any alcohol at my wedding i legally weren't allowed to (laughs) hey i wasn't legally allowed to yep and then i was like no i'm a good christian girl we're gonna be wholesome but of course my family was like drinking in the back and like didn't tell me until afterward and then i got like righteously indignant and anyway i was just like i was a prick oh interesting story there was a guy that i really liked in high school and he went to the same college <laughs> and um jed i'm sorry for doing this uh i at, right after <laughs> right after i became a christian i was like all about it you know like that that those emotions and that energy and that just feeling like oh my life has changed for the You're on fire for the lord yes i was on fire for the lord and so i tried to get this guy to um come to the campus ministry, like really push him. And I remember the last conversation we had was in his dorm room. I was like 19, 18 years old. And he, he was like, Laura, I don't want to go to your stupid church. And I was like, oh, you don't even know. Like, oh my gosh. I know. And I, I, I seriously want to make like a meme of like, I, I'm sorry, just a blanket apology to everyone and all the things I did when I was a like crazy evangelical Christian. And this is the first time I really shared that story because I do have really good friends that are still in the church and I don't want to like offend them in a weird way. Yeah. I don't know. I I feel weird sharing all this. I've never shared it publicly. So this is my first time. So hope it goes okay. But um, I, I do kind of fear the fact that like people are really still wrapped up in that world and not retro, not retribution, but like, that judgment. Oh, well, she's not really a Christian anymore. (laughs) So I, I really started coming out of it just a few years ago, right before the pandemic, during the pandemic. Um, I listened to PN's book, uh, the Bible tells me so, or because the Bible tells me so audiobook, and was finally just like, I don't have to be in the strict fundamental, version of Christianity to be a Christian because I was all caught up in the like John Piper, um, Josh Harris, I kissed the goodbye, um, passion conferences. That was my stiff. Mm-hmm. And now it is not. And, and like I suffered depression. Um, I wasn't diagnosed until, you know, many years after I sh- should have been, Ugh. And you you just think the church is going to be um, the answer. You you think these people seem like they have the answer. And that was what they preached. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is joy. Jesus is the answer to cure your depression. And I did that for 12 freaking years. And I never felt that freedom. And I never felt that joy. And I just felt more and more burdened with guilt and resentment and sadness that I wasn't a good enough Christian relatable (laughs) so that's a lot of that yeah that's my that's my testimony so to speak yeah 
So how did you get to be, because we're talking about the world today, Mm, conservation. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did you get to be a conservation biologist? Well, um, I I really wasn't super into like environmental stuff in high school until I watched a movie in my English or in my Spanish class of all classes about Chico Mendes, who was this Brazilian who, uh, he actually died to protect like the rainforest and his community from the rubber tree evil corporation capital and i was like i lived in a very suburban bubble very white where are you from forming uh suburb of memphis so if you you go like memphis the heart of memphis is um one thing the suburbs are like urban sprawl central every house looks the same kind of thing so very you know upper middle class white wealthy um so hearing that story and seeing that like perspective of oh the the rich people just want to come in and destroy the rainforest and are hurting people i was like what this exists like people are being hurt across the world and i'm just here in my little bubble Hmm, that's interesting so i started digging into environmentalism i was a vegetarian for that summer until I went to college and then they basically the only food they had was Chick-fil-A. So I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist Chick-fil-A. Mm. Um, I still think it's hard know. to resist Chick-fil-A. I'm like uh-huh. one of those crazy liberals who's like, they don't like the gays, so I can't eat it. I know. And I've got, I have plenty of gay friends who are like, and I as a gay myself, um, they're like, Josie, you can totally eat it. It's fine. And I was like, no, it's not. I just don't feel weird about it. I know. I'll eat it I if somebody to... gives it to me for free, but I'm not going <laughs> to I used to work at Chick-fil-A. Oh, like I was, I was doing the headset, like I had yeah. a headset and I was doing all the things. I was in the cow costume at one point. Like I had a great experience. But they pay well. So it's like, <sighs> I know. Chick-fil-A is a hard one. I know it's really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. So anyway, so I was vegetarian and um, gave that up pretty soon after. Um, where was I going with this? So yeah, I started my environmental or I started my college career like thinking I was gonna do engineering because I was good at math and science, but immediately switched over to ecology and evolutionary biology. Because Ooh, you heathen. I know. And that's actually interesting. I haven't <laughs> talked about these stories in a while. That contrast, that conflict between my ecology, evolutionary biology classes and and friends and stuff, and then the church, the churchiness that I was living in. Uh, so yeah, I studied that, loved every second of it. I was like, this is what I want to do for my career. And I, you know, I had a hard time with the idea that people at my church were saying that the earth is 6,000 years old or like, <laughs> like that ridiculous. Sounds so ridiculous now. <laughs> I, I, I kid you not. It was like, I was in the church kitchen talking to all the people and the pastor. And I said, do you really think the church, the, the church, the earth is 6,000 years old? And he was like, yes. I 100% believe that. And I was like, okay, we have different views, but whatever. Uh, yeah. I'm not going to push that on someone yeah. and they shouldn't push it on us. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Anyway. So this like science, critical thinking, rational way of viewing the world definitely conflicted with my churchiness, but I was so in the churchiness world that I, I couldn't 
I couldn't feel like I could get out. Like, this is the way. And they've made it very clear that this is the only way to do church. And this is the only way to do missions. And this is the only way to interpret the Bible and how to love your neighbor. Like love is this way. And even if it hurts someone, love is love. Like my example with my friend, Mm. (laughs) I said the hard thing, but that's true love to get them to force them to go to church. Mm -hmm. I loved them. So yeah. Yeah. Grew up in all that. Um, but it did, I mean, it did conflict a lot. I remember talking to a, um, girl from one of my classes about evolution. And she was asking me like, as a Christian, how do you, you know, reconcile with this? And I was like, what a great opportunity to share the gospel. So (laughs) I did. And then I told all my churchy friends about how I shared the gospel with her. And I was like doing, I, I, I thought I was going into the world and like the world of evolutionary biology and conservation and environmentalism. And I was being the Christian who could like, Mm you know, save them. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some conflict there, but I ultimately stuck with it and I never looked back because ecology was the coolest thing to study. And I became a bird person an ornithologist. Mm-hmm. So I specialize in birds. I love birds. <laughs> birds are so cool. You know? Oh my yep. gosh. So, and then let's see, after graduation, we came to Chattanooga. Tennessee, which is where I am now. Um, and I went and got my master's and just, I was married at the time. So I got married really young, like I said, 20, do not recommend. I'm glad it worked out. Oh, wait, um, hold on. Pause one second. Um, yeah, what's up? I really have to pee. Oh, <laughs> okay. Go pee. Sorry. I was trying to hold it. What's your thing? I know that feeling. That's a horrible feeling. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. This is one thing they don't really tell you about fibromyalgia as uh, bathroom stuff gets real complicated. Oh, for real? I didn't know you had fibromyalgia. Yeah, I do. It's very fun. It's, uh, it's great. But anyways. <laughs> I, I think I remember you talking about chronic pain and stuff, but I don't... I yeah, don't... that's fibromyalgia. Yeah. But what makes it not just chronic pain is like the digestive stuff and like the nerve stuff. It's like the whole, uh-huh. which is great. But um, okay. So we left uh, off on, you moved to Chattanooga and you were married. Yes. And if, do you want me to like slow down and leave more time for you to um, talk in between? Oh cuts? no, 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 no. I, I'll okay. interrupt if I feel like I need to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, am I talking too much? No, no, no. Uh, no. <laughs> so yeah, moved to Chattanooga, got, uh, started my master's degree because they don't tell you this, but like, you can't get a job really in biology and conservation. You'd think it would be, it's the sciences. You'd think it would be mm-hmm. a solid career field, but it is not. Let me tell you, like you have to work really, really hard. Especially <laughs> the more general you get. Like my partner is an organic chemist. Uh-huh. He, he had to go get his organic chemistry master's in order to advance in his field. And it was a miracle that he even got a job in his field in the first place. He started off in like temp work. That's crazy. Cause I would think, I mean, even chemistry, like you'd think it yeah. would be so easy to find a job, nope. but it is still not yeah. conservation biology and wildlife work is like that on steroids <laughs> and you would think like that just sounds so specific mm-hmm. but i've had a couple of friends work in zoos and stuff as like part-time because they couldn't get a job otherwise 
Yeah. Yeah. It's a big problem. And that's one of the things that my organization is trying to like bring, bring awareness to and kind of um, talk about and tackle. Uh, so that it, because yeah, you'd think it would be so easy. It would, <laughs> it would, but if you really think about it, so I gave a Ted talk on this recently, if you want to uh, like that. Wow. Good. Okay. Thank you. It's called flipping the script on conservation. And it's basically goes to this, where does the money for conservation come from? Mm -hmm. For most nonprofits and researchers that I've worked for and that I've heard about and talked about, they get only their money from grants mm -hmm. and private donors. Like yep. that is it. I mean, maybe some programming, maybe some like bigger, you know, investments, endowments, something like that. But a lot of the, the struggling ones are just reliant on these little thin stilts of revenue. And that's it. Because we live in a capitalistic system mm -hmm. and in a society which values a tree that is dead more than it is alive. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. When I was an undergrad, I learned about a term called ecosystem services, which is basically um, giving value, monetary value to our ecosystems because of what they do. Most people don't think about it. Like all the trees you see outside sequester carbon, they're pulling that out of the atmosphere and then they turn it back into oxygen. Like, yes, we know that, but we don't really think about it when we're cutting it down to build new homes. Mm -hmm. um, wetlands actually clean and filtrate the water and then groundwater recharge makes it so that we can pull that water back up and use it for human use. So pollination, I mean, erosion control, I could go on and on and on. To the tune of almost, it has been estimated, one estimate put it at 146 trillion oh, US dollars per year. Oh, 146 trillion. And the so, like, US are in the world. That's that's wor worldwide, worldwide, yeah, wow. the US dollars and US dollars. Yeah. So like if we just destroy everything around us, like we are doing... <laughs> we will be paying for it. We are paying for it. We're already paying for it. So I get on my little soapbox there, but yeah, yeah there's, <laughs> there's just no value in our society for conservation. Mm -hmm. um, so what ends up happening is you get all these like kind of young people, usually I'm in my mid thirties. So like my age who were like, Oh, I want to study dolphins or coral reefs or wildlife. I want to be a marine biologist. Yes. <laughs> that was big. Who didn't want to be a marine yeah. biologist? Like, I think everyone had that yeah. dream at some point. <laughs> Free Willy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Free Willy. Yes. So I wonder how like animal welfare that was like, that was probably pretty bad. Cause that was like in the nineties and now yeah, I gotta go back and rewatch that shit. <laughs> yeah. They probably really harassed that killer. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, we all wanted to do that. And so we all studied that and there's a huge group of us now out there that are like, we can't find jobs and mm. we have the masters and we have the degrees and we have the experience in the GPA that's 4.0 baby. And what is happening? Like, yep. I don't, there's a disconnect. There's mm -hmm. something that's not lining up. And it's really just that there's too many people who want the jobs and not enough jobs out there because there's not enough funding. Yeah. 
so what happens is it leads to like zoos are supremely underfunded. Um, so you, you work for like $10, $12 an hour. If that I've, I've worked field jobs. So I like the field biology aspect. So that means going out and like collecting the research and actually doing the hands on the ground labor, catching the birds and doing the fun part about being in the woods and all of that, like that's fun. And so I've gotten paid at less than four dollars an hour for some of my jobs with a master's oh my god yeah when it when like it's illegal when you really think about it but but the way they could do it is because it's stipend Mm -hmm. and uh, they they call you an intern and or whatever some kind of they say you're only going to work 40 hours a week but you end up working 60 70 Mm -hmm. 10 hour days so um and i and i kind of accepted it like I was like, well, I, it's the trade-off. I get to do the fun field work and handle the birds and do all this stuff. But it means that I get paid next to nothing, which is nice because I have a supportive um, partner. But I, I still remember one of those field jobs. I was walking around and like, is this the best way to help conservation? Mm. It's like putting bands on birds, which is bird banding is like where you put an like aluminum. Tag, tag thing. Yeah. Yeah. You put a tag on their leg. Um, it doesn't hurt them, um, but you do have to like carefully extract them from the net and all of that. And I was like, I don't, I just don't think so. There's got to be a better way to help conservation than me getting paid a <laughs> very little amount of money and doing this slogging through the field all the time. So my gears just started turning and I was like, I am either going to like start a nonprofit or my own organization or something like that. And that's where I launched Nova Conservation right before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was fun. It, it's, I mean, it's, it was fun. No, it was a nightmare to like <laughs> try to run an organization when you have two small kids that are pulled out of school and daycare. Oh, yeah. One, one who was four months old. Oh, that was, yeah. That was a blast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> Yeah, it's a uh, this kind. Of, this is my thing with conservation: is that it feels like something that should be divinely appointed to people who believe in God, right? Because yes. we were called to be good stewards of the world. Adam and Eve is probably a metaphor, but still, it was written <laughs> down that they had to take care of the goddamn garden. Mm-hmm. But growing up, I don't know if this is true for you or for any other listeners, but. I was always told that this world was not our home, that this is like mm-hmm. the things that happen here are not as important. The only thing that we should be doing is converting people to our religion and fuck the environment essentially. And mm-hmm. I tell my dad all the times, like you fucked us over. Mm-hmm. You did, you and your generation like ruined this for the rest of us. We're quite literally going to drown, quite literally going to suffocate because you decided that industrialization was more important than plants that literally save our lives and keep us mm-hmm. running mm-hmm. and yeah. i don't understand that disconnect can you what do you think as the professional well so back in the you know the i'm not a professional in the bible i'm gonna mess this up but like the adam and eve story yes we were called to take care of the earth but also the, the that term have dominion over it mm-hmm. dominion yeah which um in the in the political powers that be where there's wealth and global acquisition, uh, power acquisition, that is important. And they, 
can use that as like a, this is the most important thing is not just the protection of the planet, but the dominion over it. Like we and the are financial responsibility it. of it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we <laughs> get to decide where all the other animals and plants and beings on this earth go and what they do and when they live and when they die. And that's kind of, yeah, we just, we are elevated as the highest epitome of creation, the, mm-hmm. the absolute peak of evolution. And that's crazy. Um, there's a book called Ishmael. Oh, I love that book. Okay. okay. Written 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was written in 1992. And so it's like, I haven't read it in a while. Well, it's, I read it like six months ago, so it's not super fresh, but the idea is basically that we as humans tend to think that we are like the end all be all and everything God or universe or whatever created was for us, but we could go away Mm -hmm. (laughs) and we are actively killing ourselves if we continue this downward trend and it is scary. And I, as an environmental science, I see it all the time. I've taught, you know, biology and conservation and environmental science and stuff. And I'm just like depressed all the time (laughs) because I'm like, no one is listening. Mm. It's very, it's very depressing, but yeah. So the church specifically, I mean, I remember having a conversation with someone and she was saying like, you know, it's, like it's our role to care for the planet, but it's also our role to like subdue it and have dominion. And I was like, I think it's sin that kind of caused the destruction of Mm. the planet. Like, I mean, whatever you, that's what I believed at the time. I don't know what I believe now, but whatever. Well, I think greed is (laughs) a sin and greed ruined the planet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like it's greed, it's power, it's all of the oppressive systems Mm. that we are now finally like opening our eyes to and speaking up against and saying, this is not okay. (laughs) Please don't do this. Because a lot of the things that ruin the environment don't have to, right? Like the fashion industry is huge polluter of water. It doesn't have to pollute water. Plenty Mm -hmm. of companies do it. It's just more expensive. It's more expensive. Mm -hmm. And that's all it comes down to. It's more expensive. It's always about the money. Yeah. Like it it just, yeah. Every time, like, and that's capitalism when you boil down, like Mm. it's about quarterly profits, yearly profits. What can you acquire financially not how well is everything being taken care of are we living in harmony with ourselves with each other with trees and and creatures out there and not taking into consideration that your money isn't going to mean anything when we're all dead yep 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 yeah yeah i know i can't (laughs) well it's like in california we have this huge wildfire problem and a lot of it has to do with you know just overrunning an indigenous owned landscape and they had it all figured out. They knew exactly what they were doing. Even in Mexico, that still kind of exists. People know the land because it's their land. Mm -hmm. And we ignored that for the sake of profit, for the sake of sprawl. And now we're having these huge issues because why we didn't do what was needed to do with the land. We didn't take care of it. And a lot of that has to do with like burning brush or whatever, whatever, whatever. But this is all indigenous knowledge that we just chose to ignore because it was, it costs money. Right. Yep. Yeah. They've been taking care of the land for millennia and we don't care. And we plow right over that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. That's that's a shame. There was something you said in a previous episode, or maybe it was Spencer, but you were talking about no, it was you because you were talking about like the um the it was like essential. 
about essential oils and vaccines or something like that. Ooh, essential oils. (laughs) (laughs) But you had said a really poignant thought, which is like indigenous cultures in like Mexico have been using these kind of like natural remedies. Do we listen to them? No, but we listen to the MLMs who, you know, push. They just steal the knowledge from everybody else and then they misuse it. (laughs) They steal the knowledge. And that is the exact same way as in conservation too. Like, like we're stealing knowledge from ancestries and heritages and cultures and customs that mm-hmm. have really done a have done so much more to protect our land than we ever could and it's a shame so yeah i also often think about how if the church would just get on board with environmentalism so much would change and not to say that the church is the solution for everything because it quite frankly is not but just in the current Mm -hmm. power dynamic of the united states of america i mean the evangelicals like to think that they have a lot of power so Mm -hmm. use that power to do good and do right by the land the earth that the lord gave you to live in now yeah yeah and for future generations like you want your religion to survive you well the earth kind of has to survive right it's so overlooked it is all about this earth is not our home and let's just think about the spiritual next yeah. level thing and we just destroy what we're dealing with now and that's a huge oversight in the church yeah. the republican-led like conservative church actually conservative <laughs> i sometimes like co- type conservation and i'll pop up conservative and i'm like nope don't want that <laughs> 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 wrong side wrong so what side does your end. organization do specifically oh we do a lot of things <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's just me and i am not getting paid but i am that's okay that's okay right now i feel kind of like a hypocrite because i'm advocating for pay for biologists and um conservationists that we get fair pay for the work we're doing when we are doing really hard labor like one of my field jobs was uh, very intense and i would work 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 and i was pregnant oh my god it was really fun perpetuating <laughs> the species <laughs> It was kind of crazy. So yeah, I should have gotten paid more, but you know, whatever. Um, But, but advocating for that fair pay, because what we're seeing is this problem with, within conservation community, like workforce, especially not just like the conservation, like, oh, I like to, um, you know, eat local or whatever. Like if you are a career conservationist, um, most likely you are privilege upper middle class and white Mm. because you can afford to um, pad your resume with like these experiences traveling the world and going all sorts of places um working with sloths working with sea turtles paying for this these awesome experiences that look good on a resume and then you can present that resume to your employer and say look at all the things i did and they will hire you preferentially because of that Mm. so there's a huge um mismatch between like we need that indigenous knowledge we need diverse perspectives to solve our planet's main problems within biodiversity with climate change everything species loss so if we're not hearing from um people of lower socioeconomic status people of different backgrounds races cultures everything we're missing out on a lot of knowledge and Mm. a lot of good science behind that so i'm advocating for um more people from diverse backgrounds to get into science, conservation, and wildlife specifically, and um, and we need more funds overall yeah. because of those. 
problems. <laughs> so it's interesting that you bring up socioeconomics because yeah. I often think about the food deserts that exist in LA County specifically and how mm -hmm. lots of people just don't have access to fresh food, whether it's through transportation, um, there's no grocery stores around or because it's really expensive. Like, yeah. and people can say, oh, it's really cheap to cook, but also it's not like you have to have first of all think of like you have to have an adequate kitchen you have to have um uh, time, time, time pots huge. pans like those things are not that cheap the ingredients the spices like meat is expensive you have to uh -huh. have gas in your car to go to the grocery store you have to have time to go to the grocery store mm -hmm. and how it perpetuates the cycle of like okay well then they're eating processed food which is mm -hmm. just bad for the environment and then it's like all this like never-ending cycle that people don't often consider because they come from a place of privilege mm -hmm. that has access to good food mm -hmm. and bad for their health like it is there's statistics out there. I don't know them off the top of my head, but how lower socioeconomic, um, those people in that realm are just like way <laughs> struggling with their health, which makes sense because a, a cheeseburger or chicken nuggets at McDonald's is way cheaper than mm -hmm. cooking a home cooked meal. Like there's yeah. no way around it. Especially for a large family. And then we think about, mm -hmm. well, then they go to the doctor and the medical, like the medical system isn't necessarily great for the yeah. environment either. It's like a never ending fucking cycle. Right. Yes, it is. It is. Let's, let's go back to the original root of the problem. And I'm sure there are organizations out there trying to like fix this because if you have like processed foods then you're going to have more health problems and then that's more expensive for the healthcare system. And mm -hmm. then like the, all these um, compounding problems just like a domino effect topple over each other and it's it's yeah. not good for anyone and yeah we're all we're all suffering and our system is broken yeah i mean even me i have fibromyalgia and part of that is this anti-inflammatory diet and like all these mm. different specific things that i have to think about processed food is really bad for my body and inflammation like it causes so much pain and mm -hmm. i have to eat certain food and good food and i can't and it's really expensive to cook and to think about like meals that won't cause inflammation because like rice is inflammatory and in mexico rice is oh a staple because it's so cheap rice is inflammatory yes it's so annoying i can have quinoa but quinoa is expensive <laughs> yeah oh my gosh rice yeah uh. i love rice i'm super beaner i love i can have beans <laughs> You can't have beans? No, I can't have legumes. They're inflammatory. Oh, no. Yeah. I oh, mean, my gosh. This is not a natural response that a body does, right? Like, most people can have rice and beans. It's just like yeah. when you go... I'm, I'm an extreme virgin, but also it is very expensive. And I'm privileged that I have a partner who takes the time to look into this stuff because Lord knows I'm not going to fucking do it because <laughs> it's very traumatizing. And he, like, looks into it. He buys my food because he has a good job and all this stuff. But if I was on my own, I would not be able to do it. I would just be suffering. But yeah. this is just like a micro example of a macro issue. Yep. Mm -hmm. And conservation, I feel like could save us all. Like if we, what is it called? Like victory gardens from the world wars or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just so much space for a whole lot of nothing when we could just be using it to produce our own food that would then clean the air. And it's like, <laughs> yes, we could solve a lot of our own problems. And there are lots of advocates out there for like edible gardens and mm -hmm. doing all of that. And that's such a good movement. I like, I specifically also really like the um, rewilding movement, which is basically, 
basically, um, it's not just about edible food that you're growing, but, um, bringing back habitat for a species, like one of the best things you can do for birds is to plant native plants. Mm -hmm. And so it's dark over here, but we just, we just renovated our backyard to have like all these native plants and, and I'm like thrilled about it because the birds are everywhere and I love it. And I'm like, I'm providing habitat. There's groundhog that lives back there. It's adorable. Adorable. (laughs) All these things that take time that we all don't have because we have to work these stupid jobs that ruin mm-hmm. the planet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it it really is this vicious cycle to like kind of keep us down, the man down, like keep us working, keep us wanting more. That's another thing like with capitalism is this this urge to just produce more and get more and then use the marketing and advertising to convince everyone else that you want more too and you should have more. Like I I, for a while, really struggled because uh, this is kind of silly, but um, I, I guess I was under this like impression that like to be a good Christian, to be a good wife, you had to like have your house clean. That's, that's not too much of a stretch because I literally have been to many bridal showers where like the, the advice to the new bride was like, make sure you clean up and keep your house clean. And that's the most important thing. So your husband no comes to home to a nice place. So you mm-hmm. relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, and so all of these things, all of these beliefs were embedded in my little form, formidable brain form. Yeah. So I, I, thought that I had to have a nice home and, and, you know, like my mom had a nice home and her mom had a nice home and I finally get time and space and money to be able to do that. And I like hate it. And I, (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. why can't I make a nice home? Like, what is wrong with me? And turns out like many years later, I'm realizing I don't want those things. Someone else told me that I want those things. I want to do good for the world and save the planet and like use my time, energy, and money to do that, not repaint a room in the house. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just so strange to think I was even manipulated into thinking I wanted my house to look nice. And now I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) Well, it's interesting because I definitely believe in like, you should have a nice clean space because it's good for your mental health, right? Like not letting clutter accumulate. There's something to be said for that. Not because I'm a woman, whatever. I don't care about that. But there's also like, I get shamed. My, my family's really bougie because I like to (laughs) thrift like a nobody's business. I love thrifting. I mean, it makes me feel better about buying lots of clothes, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) Which is, that's my vice. But like, I like going to find art, like old things, old furniture, all this stuff that I could put into my house. And I do have Ikea furniture because, you know, I'm not that rich at all. Um, I have Ikea furniture. Yeah, I know. Moving with IKEA furniture is so fucking hard because they just fall apart, and then I have to fix it. Oh my! Anyways, that's a soapbox. (laughs) That's a that's a tangent. But I feel they like make me feel like I'm a terrible person because my house is like full of old shit that is was somebody else's before. Mm. I was like, um, it's good for the environment. So yep, and I like it, and it brings me joy. And that is something we were told that we cannot have is like Mm -hmm. only joy in the lord only joy in the lord yeah i like to have joy in my uh on my walls too (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. I like to be reminded of the beauty of the world in my house. Yes. The fullness and of it. We have a lot of plants too, because I'm convinced that it cleans my oxygen in my house. <laughs> yeah. And, and it probably helps your fibromyalgia too. I think so too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, even looking at, there's like all these studies that say that looking at plants, even if it's in a fucking painting is good for your health. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Oh, this is crazy. Returning to nature is good for you. Yes. Absolutely. It is. And we have lost that disconnect. Like we we've lost, we've lost that connection with nature. We have severed it so much, so much so that like, you know, when the neighbor's kids play in the backyard, I tell my kids that the carpenter bees bees aren't going to hurt them or sting them or any, like they're fine. And the neighbor's kids like scream and cry. And, you know, I understand, but like, there's, there's this, just this inherent fear we have of the natural world. And it is, partially like evolutionarily like yes it is good to be scared of tigers and snakes and things like that but we're getting to the extreme where yeah you know we're taking it too seriously um and we're killing off everything that is important i know i see this a lot with dogs especially because i have three dogs and they're all rescues and they're teeny weeny little little dogs and people are so scared of them and i'm like what are they gonna do to you um, they're going to bite you and you might bleed a little bit, but realistically, <laughs> what are these dogs going to do to you? And like, I don't know. It, that's Why are they so scared of them? Like, is it like, is it the barking and the yapping? Yeah, they're yappy. And I mean, one of them does tend to bite like, but your ankles and it's just like a little tooth. I don't know. I'm just not scared right. of dogs. Maybe that's my own thing, but I think it has to do with it, right? Like people are scared of something that is not human. Mm. Sometimes and... people are even scared of humans. Well, I mean, that's more understandable, but (laughs) we're pretty evil. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I feel like the church has a lot to do with this for those of us who did grow up in it. Because again, like we're not of this world, all Uh these like little messages that culminate into capitalism and into like, Uh even in its cleaning, like using all these terrible chemicals that are bad. My mom had migraines for decades because she was a cleaning lady and she was using all these harsh chemicals. Miraculously, after she stopped a few years later, they stopped. Hmm. Not to say that you shouldn't use it. I use scrubbing bubbles because nothing works like scrubbing bubbles or (laughs) toilet cleaner or whatever. But I also try to use Castile soap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do the best we can. And that has that's a good point, too, about like the guilt aspect of like, I'm an environmentalist. I'm a conservationist. And I was killing myself to like make sure that I was using the only home friendly, mm-hmm. um, homemade, eco-friendly products, always cloth diapering, no like, plastic. I, I had a panic attack in a grocery store. Cause I was holding like string cheese and I was like, I think my son's going to like this, but there's so much plastic and I didn't know what to do with it. Like I couldn't allow myself to just buy it. Mm-hmm. And what I've come to the conclusion is like, we are in a society like for better or worse that requires pla- like okay if you want to be zero waste more power to you please reduce your plastic waste but i am not gonna beat myself up when i can't do yeah. everything you do what you can yeah you do what you can and as a perfectionist it was really hard like i was suffering it, it caused yeah. extreme depression especially in the church like not only perfectionism and environmentalism but i had these high standards for how to be a christian and read your bible and do all the things and always serve and oh uh, so much guilt and so many like rules that people put on you society puts on you the church puts on you and it, it just got to a breaking point and mm. i 
collapsed inward. And then that was all the time of like Trump getting elected. And that was really like also very like evangelical support this guy. I, I have, I have no words. Um, so that just like opened the door to my like deconstruction process, if you will. It also really Uh, pisses me off that these mommy bloggers are all about essential oils now. And and I was like, since when have you been into the environment and nature? Okay. Chill the fuck out, (laughs) homie. You're using plastic all the time. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like stop pushing that. You're pushing it because it's it's an agenda. Like it's everything has to have an agenda because it has to make money because that's the society we live in. And I totally like bought in for a while because I was trying to do the like low waste natural shit. And then I married a scientist and he's like, um, actually this chemical in your face product is not bad for you. And I was like, you're right. Cause chemicals are also natural or chemical compounds or whatever, whatever. Yeah. But it's just yeah. like a, another way to guilt you. Right. Like even in nature, mm-hmm. stuff, they're trying to guilt you. It's all guilt. It is all guilt. It is all guilt. How did you get over the guilt stuff from being in church? You know, I'm gonna be honest. Well, you, not... you didn't. You didn't have a really guilty conscience, did you? Like, no, you... I don't have. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do, but like for the things that I believe are true, like I never felt guilty leaving because I didn't like the church. I uh-huh. never felt guilty taking care of myself, and a lot of that has to do with trauma. But that's not mm. a reasonable mm-hmm. response, like. I never try to judge people based on my own yardstick because I understand. And I told my dad this the other day because he's like, I don't understand why your initiatives are different. And I was like, because I was blessed with this aggressive personality. I didn't Mm -hmm. do anything to earn this personality. The Lord (laughs) was just like, and here's the bitch. Uh. Lovingly (laughs) lovingly says that. The Lord lovingly says that. (laughs) And I love it. I love, and I mean, a lot of that too is like, I feel like, I'm called to empower others, like mm-hmm. to not feel guilty, to feel like they can take care of themselves. But also like I got rid of the guilt from environmentalism and like being trying to be zero waste when I did get really sick because it's like yeah. I don't have the energy to do it. Right. I the guilt that I was feeling from myself that was probably also like informed by my religion of the past. <laughs> mm. Um I mean, it was just like you don't have time to feel guilty you don't have the energy to feel guilty guilt is not necessarily mm-hmm. a productive emotion absolutely you do it's your not. best and you do what you can do mm-hmm. and quite frankly all of these companies that are ruining the world are doing like 90 percent of the damage so oh, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah that was a big another big factor is like okay i am one person yeah i can do what i can do but come on like you're putting mm-hmm. it all on individualism and saying it's our responsibility when yeah, I got a point of finger at the, I think uh, statistic, like the 100 top grossing companies, I'm going to get this wrong, produce like 71% of uh, greenhouse gases. Yep. 71. Mm-hmm. 100 companies. It also really pisses me off. No offense to all the vegans out there. All the vegans that are like, stop eating meat. <laughs> I'm like, I'm too Mexican. I have too much like lineage, like indigenous uh-huh. lineage to give up yeah. meat. Also, my people weren't the problem when it came to meat. We were ethically consuming our meat. We used all the bones. Go. We used all the leather. Also the leather part. I love leather. I work with leather all the time. And people are like, I'm going to buy vegan leather or cactus leather and i was like you're not thinking about what goes into creating these products when leather is a natural byproduct of the meat industry that you're already eating yeah yeah 
yeah, there is, there is so much gatekeeping and conservation mm-hmm. too. And that's, I have a podcast too. It's called Nova Conversations where we're talking about all this stuff, but um, yeah, there's, there is gatekeeping and there's guilt shaming and there's public shaming for everyone else who you're, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it like this. And having gone through depression, mental health, anxiety, and you haven't gone through your chronic pain, like you're, you're like, I'm doing the best I can now chill out. And I'm not going to judge you if you don't judge me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> stop. It's like PETA dumping paint on these like vintage fur coats that are beautiful. Right. But they're vintage. Like they're already made. I think that the person mm-hmm. can use it for warmth. Now, if it's a new thing, then maybe it dumps some paint on it. That's fine. But like a mm-hmm. lot like vintage and like all the stuff that already exists should be used. So I don't know. It really pisses me off. I know. I know. There's, there's some, there's a lot of hypocrisy, just like the church. Huh? Interesting. Mm, it's all <laughs> nicely intertwined. Coincidence. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> it is. So the church has definitely a lot more money than the conservation movement, but there's a lot of like similar things that I've, I've noticed and the guilt and the, mm-hmm. you know, have to do things the right way and this one way and yeah. And emotional manipulation too. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I ugh, this conversation can go on forever. I know. I could keep talking. I it feels really good to get all this stuff out. Like I I'm glad I'm doing this. <laughs> well, we would love to have you back on when like a specific thing happens that we could talk about, we could chat and bitch about together. That would be fun. Yes. Next yeah. time when Spencer's around, she probably has so many more opinions, especially as like a new mom. Like baby mm-hmm. products are just Mm-hmm. insane but i would also argue that baby stuff can also it's like the baby community baby community can also be pretty good environmentally because hmm. i i don't know a single person that keeps baby clothes and doesn't give them to like a new baby that's been born yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there is that level of kindness and um altruism and that's very nice like that's where the church serves well Mm -hmm. like i got all my maternity clothes baby clothes hand-me-downs all of that from church people and it was great but um yeah the church the church the baby stuff movement like it's 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 insane that everyone thinks they need a brand new this and a brand Mm -hmm. new rocker and a brand new I, I mean, I wrote a letter to like some of my church <laughs> member families. And I said, I don't want to like buy new stuff when I have this baby, when I had my first, I, I just want secondhand, like, please give me all your stuff or let me borrow it and I'll return it. Like, I don't care, but I don't want to buy a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff I'm not going to use or need in two years. So there is, there's a lot to be said about like, there's just this idea that we need so much stuff for a tiny human and you don't. Yeah. I remember my mom had this really fancy bassinet crib thing. I don't know what it's called that she (laughs) bought for my brother when he was born. And that thing is still in the family. He's 22 years old and (laughs) some cousin has it or something. Good. Yes. Keep that stuff around. They don't make stuff like we used to. <laughs> oh, yeah. That thing was so beautiful. It was wood and it raw. It was beautifully. I mean, my mom is really bougie, so she bought the good stuff. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's like some statistic that was like all of the baby clothes that exist right now will last forever. Like you don't have to make any more new baby clothes ever. Whoa. Yeah. There's just so much of around it personally i think i'm just gonna buy everything like all white onesies no pants you're just gonna walk around in those onesies baby mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah, can bleach them. <laughs> yeah 
for us it was like pjs all day like mm-hmm. it's easy it's just like put them to bed in pjs wake up play in pjs put them back down in pjs the same pjs like as long as they're still clean and smell fairly decent yeah <laughs> just... the, they only like being in pjs realistically mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i mean it's the one time in your life that you can like get away with wearing pjs all day long and like go to the park in pjs mm, huh. i mean i work from home deal. so i'm in pjs all the time but i yeah, do yeah, <laughs> I, like sometimes have to wear like a shirt and a bra or something yeah i'm just like Ugh, what a nuisance this I bra <laughs> but oh my gosh i have loved this conversation you have to come back absolutely what do you do you have anything to plug i know you said podcasts and your instagrams oh, what can they give you money gosh. for the not profit i mean yeah yeah oh and that's another thing i didn't talk about it's actually so nova conservation is not even a nonprofit. i i considered starting a nonprofit, but there's a lot of nonprofits out there so i would rather get more money and then divert them to nonprofits. so i'm an Ooh. llc oh i like it Ooh, that's the yeah that it was a big decision and it feels really weird to say that i'm not a nonprofit because i have so much nonprofitiness in me um but i am trying a new model where instead of using the nonprofit structure we just get money and then we give it back i like it yeah and i didn't even talk about the other part of my business and organization is just that we're doing ethical um ecotourism travel so (gasps) i I like it we're taking people out to do bird banding and see that process not necessarily participate but um see the work that goes into biology and research and preserving our planet and the like getting people to experience that in a new way um opening up their eyes and then seeing how making that connection of like okay conservation is important and now i know from laura that this is very underfunded and i should be giving more of my money to these organizations that are doing the good things that are actually paying their employees well, that are treating their interns and staff and volunteers with respect and dignity, that are hiring local people if they're like in a you know run by someone from a different country. They're hiring locals and making sure that locals get trained to do this work. Um, they're always treating animals with respect and dignity and animal welfare is huge. And they're doing the most effective science um, and conservation projects out there so there are organizations that are doing it really well there are some that are really exploitative and that has burned (laughs) that has burned a lot of us when um when the work that you know the work that we do is like unpaid voluntary and then people take advantage of that and that's Mm. a shame so we're just like trying to educate and bring more funds back to the good organizations so um yeah my organization is nova conservation it's novaconservation.com. Um, you can see what we do there. I have an Instagram, Nova underscore conservation. Um, my podcast is Nova Conversations, yeah. which is complicated and wordy, but fun. I love <laughs> it. I talk about some serious things on there. Like, not serious. Like, I just recorded an episode and I just got really like deep. Like, I'm just very theoretical and like deep thinker. And I think that's that's a gift that God has given me. And, and so necessary, especially for such a huge issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm trying to think about things more critically and really advocate for, you know, like not just making passive like judgments on people or entities, but like really trying to work to make the system better. 
I love it. Well, everybody, <laughs> go follow Laura and go give um, her money and everybody else money that she supports. Um, yes. What a great, like hub of this is the good people give them money i love that yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we we have a review database for nonprofits and organizations um but yeah there is a donate page there is a donate button on my web page if you'd like to i have a patreon too but i need some i need to work on that uh, yeah. <laughs> <Totally> <laughs> everything needs work every yeah. like shower thoughts every day i'm like oh i need to update my website up oh, because mm-hmm. it's just me and yeah i'm doing a lot and i'm always on to the next thing and i, d- I forget like I have a TikTok. I forget about it. Oh, TikTok. Oh my gosh. I don't get much TikTok. I love TikTok because I learned so much from TikTok, but me doing a TikTok, that shit's a full-time job. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Instagram, although, has gotten me pretty pissed with their reels. Have you tried to do reels lately? Yes. All the, everything glitches, everything. Mm-hmm. And like, like my text glitches, the, the and like your tr- Instagram, you want us to do reels, make it work. Just make it work. I know. So, I've started making everything off of it. I'd recommend Canva. I just started TikTok videos on Canva. That shit's easy. I love it. Do you have the free account or the paid account? Um, I have both, but even with free, it's still pretty good. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cause huh. it just like organizes it for you. Anyways, shop talks. <laughs> Sorry for <Yeah. laughs> I love it. Well, follow Laura wherever you can, um, give her money and everybody else money. Uh, you can find speaking at church at speaking in church. You can find me at Josie takes the world. You can find Spencer at Spence Rose. We do have a donate button in our link bio thingy. Um, it's called like, buy me a coffee. It realistically is probably going to go to buy baby formula. So that's expensive yes and there's a shortage right now so please give spencer that money we really need that baby to be well fed Mm -hmm. um and don't come at me with this breast is best bullshit all right because i'll fucking fight you right now i'm a formula baby and i'm smart fed is best fed is best best. if you can breastfeed power to you it's free we love that too but don't come at the rest of us all right Mm -hmm. Um, no guilt no shame no guilt or shame all right friends well as always um stay woke or get woke and as spencer likes to say jesus Jesus loves you (laughs) bye friends bye This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.